Hello, welcome to Brothers at Breakfast, a production of Mission 1711. Follow us as we talk to each other and to other interested parties about their own Jesus adventure, featuring Ian Millar, who's the founder and uh, head privateer of our organization, and our friend Eric, who has graciously accepted our invitation to join us and talk a little bit about his background and himself. Thank you, Nick. Hey, I wanted to have you uh, meet with Eric today and just have him join our Brothers at Breakfast meeting. I've got to know Eric recently and uh, learn his story. Very fascinating guy who uh, has a tremendous, uh, uh, you know, walk with uh, with Jesus, and who's living living the adventure, uh, you know, in every way that we talk about. And as I got to know Eric uh, recently at a men's group, sharing breakfast together, it just it hit me uh, when I heard his story and you know heard what he's doing in his walk that it might be a great fit for him to share with us. So, Eric, uh, would you join and um, tell Nick a little bit about yourself and just tell our audience, you know, who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, gentlemen, thank you for uh, having me out. Uh, Ian, it's been great to get to know you over the last kind of probably, I guess, six to six months or so. And Nick, also, thank you for all the work you've done to kind of get this night going. My name's Eric. I am a husband and father of four small children. My oldest daughter is seven. My next daughter is five. My next daughter is two. And then my fourth child is a son, and he's about three months old. Um, so that's something that's obviously very <clears throat> special. You're a busy guy right there. Just, <laughs> yes, just yes. That, as that as I know, life. Ian, you are. I know, Ian, you are. You are equally busy in the in the grandfather role, <laughs> as well as the father role. Still, I know that, um, even though your kids are grown. But um, absolutely, I've been. So that that's that's kind of. So some special gifts that I think God has given me that I'd like to just get out there first. A, Absolutely. Be- a beautiful, hardworking wife and then four healthy children. Um, it's just a joy and it's, it's exhausting, but uh, it's a, we're constantly reminded of the gift that they are and the responsibility we have to, to teach them and raise them up in the, the footsteps of the Lord. But um, professionally, I am an army officer. I hit 10 years this in the, this coming May. So in about, three weeks, I'll hit my 10-year mark in the active duty army. Well, thank you for your service. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for your support, sir. I um, commissioned through ROTC at University of Colorado, and over the last 10 years, my my primary jobs um, or MOS, I'm an aviator. I've flown a couple helicopters for the army. They retired the first one, and so I, I moved over to the next one, and I've been doing that along with leading soldiers, serving soldiers, um, serving commanders, working for commanders over the last 10 years across three continents, uh, probably half a dozen (laughs) countries within those continents and uh, across the United States, really from Hawaii to New England. Uh, Currently, I'm serving as an instructor role. I'm what the army considers in the broadening phase of a young to uh, middle grade officer's career. So I'm a a post company command, post troop command, um, pre major duties. And so I'm an instructor at a senior military college in New England. And it's a gift. My wife and I prayed for a job like this. 
I had an outstanding experience in my reserve officer training corps program at the University of Colorado. And we wanted to come work with young people. Um, my wife and I both, I came to know Christ in college. My wife drew, grew tremendously in her faith in college. And so we have a passion for <clears throat> not only soldiers, young soldiers, but also for collegiate students. It's such a such a dynamic and critical part of their life. A lot of them are away from home for the first time, making decisions for themselves. And it's such an important time for godly influence to um, be in their lives, to just kind of. So for you, when, when you came to Christ in college, was that like a dramatic point in your life? Was that a pivotal moment for you? Absolutely. Yeah, I'll go ahead and kind of transition to, that's a key part of my testimony. If it's okay with you, I'll just kind of start moving in that direction. Is that a good? Yeah, yeah, that's all good. So, yeah, really, I, I, I'd like to start at Scripture. Um, I'd say the, the first 18 years of my life is kind of summarized in, in the book of 1 John, chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. And it says, do not love the world or anything in the world. Hmm. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. And then it says, for everything in the world. The cravings of sinful men, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. And I, I like that, 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 that second part of the verse, the, the cravings of sinful men, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does. I, I boil that down to what I call stuff, status, and stimulants. And I, and I, <laughs> Say that again, stuff, status, and stimulants. I love that. That's yeah, great. Yeah, stuff, status, and, and stimulants. And I, I you know... I'm thankful. I think God gave me um, hardworking, good parents. And, and I, I had my, uh, in a worldly point of view, I had my head on relatively straight. However, you know, I, uh, for the first 18 years of my life, I was more interested in stuff, status, and stimulants than I was at all in a relationship with the God of the universe. Um, I would have identified as a Christian for the first probably 18 years of my life because as I was an American, I'd been to church a couple of times, one nation under God. That was the extent of my faith. I had never read the Bible for myself. I had never um, had a relationship with the Lord. And so I went to the college out of state. I went to the university of Colorado. I, I grew up in Texas and I didn't know a soul. I didn't know a single person at that college of 30,000 students. And that was the, ex what I just summarized to you was the extent of my, my Christian faith. <laughs> I'm an American. I've been to church. Sure. I'm a Christian. And I was on campus the very first day of actual classes. So we had finished orientation and I was on the way to the dining hall and I, I was asked to take a survey and I, I didn't put any thought into it. I, I was just wanting to get the free t-shirt or the free sticker, whatever that group <laughs> was handing out. I filled out the survey. It was not legible. And I went on my way. And uh, the next day, my roommate got a phone call from those individuals who we did the survey for. And they said, hey, we're, we're, a, we're a group called the Navigators. And the Navigators is a Christian ministry uh, involved in all over the world, internationally, college campuses, military yeah. bases. It actually started in the military yeah. uh, aboard the U.S. West Virginia uh, during World War II in Pearl Harbor. But anyway, they said, hey, we're, we're a ministry here on campus all about know, uh, knowing Christ and making him known. Would you want to come out on a, on a hike with us? My roommate was also out of state, and he said, sure. And they said, well, we, we have a, another survey stapled to yours. We think it's your roommate. We, we can't read it. Could you invite him, too? <laughs> and I, I thank God to this day. My roommate was bold, my, one of my best friends in the world, Jared. 
And he, uh, he invited me and I went on that hike. And for the first time in my life, I interacted with young men, young people who were fired up about something bigger than themselves, bigger than the part, bigger than the party scene, bigger than stuff, status, and stimulants. And they, they, they said, well, that, that, that thing we're fired up about is Jesus Christ. And I remember being, wow. So they, were, they were basically Jesus freaks, right? <laughs> sure. If that's, you know, sure. Some would call them that. However, these were burly, rugged men, bearded, fit outdoorsmen who loved Colorado, who loved mountaineering. And I remember being amazed by how genuine and real this relationship they talked about with, the, with God was. And I remember, I remember that night being very interested. Hmm. And so they invited me to a, what we call a nav night, a worship night. I showed up. The man who discipled me for four years and ultimately did my premarital counseling with my, my wife and officiated our wedding, he, he was leading that night. And he said, hey, I, I, we're doing a Bible study throughout the week. I mean, throughout this semester, it's going to cost $10. It's a, it's a nice book. We've put together binders for y'all, but we need some buy-in. We don't want to just give these out and see you run, run off and never come back. And I remember I had 10 bucks in my wallet and I said, what am I doing? And I, I couldn't explain it, but I just, mm. I felt something saying, you need to be in this Bible study, Eric. So I, I did it. Wow. And the first week went by and I, you know, I didn't really <clears throat> feel much. I, I read first John chapter one. I, I did some questions. The second week is where the Lord really started rocking my world. The memory verse for week two was first John chapter two, verse six, which is very simple. It says, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. And in that Bible study, I said to these, these, these godly men and some, some, some guys who were just like me, clueless, I said, you know, I've been claiming to, to be a Christian my whole life, but I have no idea how Jesus walked. There you go. And after that night, a man, a man named Drew, um, who, who mentored me for many years, I still am in close contact with, he said, he came up to me afterwards. He said, hey, Eric, I know we've asked you to commit to a lot. You've been coming to worship night. You've committed to Bible study. Would you be willing to commit an hour a week with me one-on-one? -on -one? I'd love to show you how Jesus walked. And I remember being like, wow, he didn't say, I, I want to teach you, which is nothing wrong with that word either. But he said, I want to show you huh. how, how Jesus walked. I'd like to, I'd like to do that. And I you, said, you sure. paid attention, not just to, to the general idea of things, but you were, you were interested in the specifics of what he said and how he was demonstrating it to you already. Absolutely. And, yeah. and so I, I agreed to meet with him. And within two weeks, you know, he, he had showed, he had, he had presented the gospel to me in a couple of ways. We, we'd read the Bible together, prayed together. He'd shared the bri bridge illustration with me. And I said, you know, I, I, I identified as the person that wants to have a relationship with the Lord. And, and we, we, we prayed that moment together for the Lord to, to come into my life as my Lord and Savior. And um, I went ahead and I committed that fall semester to a summer training program with the navigators. Mm -hmm. It was a whole entire summer up at Winter Park, Colorado, working at a YMCA camp, but in all your free time, learning how to do ministry and do discipleship and share Christ with people and grow in your own walk. Hey, Eric. Yes. You, you mentioned something that uh, seems important. I'm taking notes uh, 
for our show notes on things you said. You said some striking things already. But you got invited to pray by Drew, right? I did. And you're you're a baby. You were just 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 coming to relationship. How did being asked to participate in prayer strike you at first? Good question. Yeah, great one. Prayer is something that even to this day I still can, can still probably weird out <laughs> Christians even, let alone non-believers. Um, and so I remember being like, ah, yeah, that sounds weird. Me being one-on-one with another man praying. Um, but I'll, I'll just go back to something I already said. Drew, he was he was genuine, and it was evident that the Lord was working in his life, and the Holy Spirit was reaching people through him because I wanted to spend every minute with this guy. Um, he was a, a, a man's man fired up about the kingdom of God. And mm. when he said, when he invited me out, it wasn't like a hesitant question. He said, Eric, like, I am sold out for this. I have given my life to ministry. I have walked away from engineering jobs, high paying jobs, and I have decided to completely sell out for reaching the, the world for Christ and for reaching, especially college students. And he said, that might, you might think I'm crazy, but that's how serious I am about this and how important I think it is. And it was evident that he was an extremely intelligent, very capable uh, yeah. man. And, you know, that, that alone is convincing for an 18 year old. Like this is, here's a 32 year old man who, 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 not only appears, but walks the walk to have it all together. I just knew I want to be like that in 10 to 12 years. He was newly married and I, I admired his relationship with his wife and he was about to have his first child. And I said, that's, I, I want to, I would like my life to look like that in 10 or 12 years. And so I'm going to do whatever you tell me to, Drew. And I praise God that he, <laughs> I praise God that he was a true bible believing christian um because like i said it, yeah, we, we prayed together we read the word together we walked around campus and did evangelism together and i followed his lead hallelujah what, a, what yeah. an inspiring good yeah, good news good. story because young people are what we've got to reach you um you mentioned something um that i want to backtrack to what well, we've got a second you mentioned the bridge illustration and i'm quite certain that most of our audience will probably not have a clue what you meant by that can you elaborate on that in a way that uh, maybe we can whiteboard in our minds what uh, what the bridge illustration is i sure can the bridge illustration first off if you're out there listening you can google it and it'll pop up it'll pop up immediately on your google images on on your google websites but the bridge illustration is a very simple and I think very, um, it's been used for a long time to visualize, to, to provide a, a visualization of the gospel. And it revolves around really a, a single verse. There's a lot of verses associated with it, but the, the verse that it revolves around comes from the book of Romans, chapter six, verse 23. And it says, for the wages of sin is death, mm -hmm. but yeah. the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And as you, you, you unpack that verse, and as you focus on every single word, you're, you're creating an illustration. And so the first half of the verse is for the wages of sin is death. And you, it's meant to be interactive. You, you ask the person you're sharing with, hey, what's a wage? What is sin? What is death? What do you know about it? Maybe they know some, maybe they don't. And so really what that first half is saying is the wages of sin is death. What I've earned from my sin 
is death. Now, now we know that if we go violate God's commands, we, we, we aren't stricken at that moment down to a physical death. That's, we, we realize as we grow and as we read the Bible, it's referring to a spiritual death, an eternal separation from the God of the universe. And so that's where mankind Which is, is actually more terrifying than physical death if you really contemplate it. Yes, yes, sir. And so you 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 discuss that first half of of due to sin, we, we, we there's a chasm in between mankind and God. Mm. But thank goodness there's the word but we transition to the gift of God, but the gift of God is eternal life. So the opposite of spiritual death and a spiritual life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And if you can picture two pieces of land separated by a canyon or a, a huge hole, and you, you say the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, you, you, you draw the cross mm -hmm. cr across that, that gap and you write in Jesus Christ and, and you realize that, you know, according to scripture from the old Testament through the new Testament, Christ was the lamb of God that took upon the sin of mankind and bridged that gap, canceled out our debt and allowed man through Christ, through faith in Christ to once again, have an eternal life and eternal fellowship and relationship with our creator, the God of the universe. The, the most profound story in the history of the world. Absolutely. God, I mean, I think God would become man and become not just man, but become the victim of all of man's evil to pay the penalty of man's evil before God. It's a, a staggering story. It is. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I appreciate that you shared that because a lot of times, you know, in, in church today, people don't really hear that truth that the wages of sin is death. And, you know, it's interesting. It's an interesting thing, but um, you, you old soldiers are more familiar with death than most people. But uh, in my generation and the people that I grew up around, um, we saw a lot of death. In fact, you know, one of the things I've told many people many times is that by the time I was 30 years old, more than 29 of my friends were dead already. And uh, it was really wow. because of what you summed up earlier, which was uh, pursuing stuff, uh, status and stimulants, and sometimes a little bit too much of each of those all at once. <laughs> yeah. And so a lot of the guys I knew growing up were already dead uh, before I really even, you know, knew what life was about. And uh, the sad part of it is, is that I think, you know, the statistics are, are very much the same today. Young people are, are running off the rails and, and dying of stupidity, dying of stuff, stimulants and status uh, pursuits faster than, than ever before today. So, yeah. you know, the, the hope of, of being able to find your purpose in life so early for you, Eric, I think it's amazing because, you know, young people are, are, are just figuring the, the first bits of life out at that point. Yes. And somebody actually spoke into your life and gave you a sense of direction to pursue that inspired you to say, hey, I want to do something good with my life. I want my life to work out positively. Uh, yeah. You know, when, when I was that age, when I was 18, and I had no sense of direction at all. And uh, most, of the, most of the guys I knew, uh, same way, no sense of direction at all. No, no even really idea to, to pursue something like that. Um, so I'm amazed at hearing your story, how this, this fellow Drew was able to so uh, you know, clearly inspire you to find a good sense of direction. And here you are, a father of four, army officer, 
you know, leading other people, uh, you know, reaching, you know, young adults in, in university and uh, influencing the world around you for Christ and just realizing how significant that is Yeah, that so many people are, are being touched because of Drew's, you know, faithfulness all those years back. How long, how long ago did you say that was? That was, in, I met Drew Fraser began discipling, sorry, I shouldn't, Drew began discipling me in 2008. And that was my freshman year of college, the fall of 2008. And he discipled me for four years in college, among a few other very godly men uh, that I met through Drew. And he, like I said, he and, he and his wife officiate, you know, they did my, they did date and I's premarital counseling together. And then he, he officiated our wedding and he is still doing collegiate ministry in the, in the, in the, the, the Rocky mountain region to this, to this day. And it's a campus director at multi, has been a campus director at multiple public schools with tens of thousands of students that, um, his team is reaching. Well, that's excellent. Um, now I, I appreciate you sharing that now along the way, um, you know, I'm sure you have, uh, you know, coming through all of that and, and as a, a husband and father and, and working in the career you're in, I imagine you must have hit some challenges where your faith has been tested yes. and where you've had to, you know, make a decision. Do you really believe, do you really stand for Jesus? Uh, or is it just a cool idea to do when it's convenient? Mm. Um, you know, you, do yeah. you have some, you know, maybe experiences that you can share with our audience about what it takes to stand for Jesus in a tough environment. And I can imagine, uh, you know, being a military officer, you've probably had a few challenges along the way. Absolutely. I'll, I'll share a couple. <clears throat> so I'll start, I'll start all the way back to um, graduating. And, and I, com- I graduated from college. I commissioned as a second lieutenant and I got married in the same 24 hours. Oh, well, <laughs> you and just then, like doing things all at once. <laughs> and, and then the, the main reason I had to do that is because five, five days later after graduation, I had to report to Fort Rucker, Alabama for flight school. Oh, wow. And flight school basically boils down to anywhere from 15 to 24 months. I, I, I did it in 15 months, but I remember showing up to flight school <clears throat> as, a, as a 22-year-old newly married follower of Christ and I remember <clears throat> one of the very first days of Bullock basic officer course, a captain, you know, and I don't, I don't remember his name, but a, a captain who clearly stated to the entire class of lieutenants and warrant officers, this is not a time, this time that you're here at flight school is not a time for hobbies. You will put your hobbies on hold. You will put your other priorities on hold. You will put your family on hold. And you, in order to be successful here, you must make your training the number one priority. And I just, I remember hearing that and just seeing right through it. And the only reason I was able to see right through that was because of four years of discipleship and growing in my faith in college, because that was so backwards Hmm. from what we're called to do in scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, so you, and so, so you were saying to yourself, uh, being a Christian is not just a hobby for me. It, and, it, and it cannot be dropped. It cannot be put on hold. Right. And so I, I, I remember that day being like, okay, I know my number one important, my number one identity is in Christ. It should be my faith. My number two is my wife and then my family. And then my number three is going to be my profession. 
So what does that look like? So here I am being pressured to put everything else on hold and just focus on flying helicopters, but I know that that is not biblical. Mm-hmm. And so I, I go to chapel the first Sunday there with me and my wife on, on base, and I go up to the pastor of the chapel and I say, hey, do you guys have any small group Bible studies? That's, that's really what I'm into. And he said, oh, you need to go talk to that guy. And that guy ended up being a, a guy named Perry. And Perry was also... On, on staff at the Navigators. I'm, I'm by no means waving the Navigator flag. This is just an amazing coincidence. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, orchid by God of the universe, but- uh, I've done work for them, uh, so- Yeah, Perry- I, uh, I endorse them. Great, Perry and his wonderful wife, Debbie, took, had, had Dana and I over for dinner that night. We had no kids at the time. And I shared with them, you know, our four years of being involved with, with Navigators and Campus Crusade and leading Bible studies. And he just said, can you just come on leadership work? Can, can, I, can we mentor y'all for the next, you know, 15 to 18 months that you're here and just have you? And then we said, absolutely. And so once again, God just provides mentors and disciplers. And I wasn't even, all I, all I had to do was be faithful with a little bit, show up to church. And then go ask the question, hey, is there anybody here that's doing discipleship or Bible studies? Mm-hmm. You just, a little bit of faithfulness, a little bit of boldness, just of stepping out. And once again, I am now getting met with weekly by a man who's in his 50s, been walking with the Lord for over 30 years and his wonderful wife. And, and I'm a newlywed, you know, trying to, trying to navigate that in flight school. And so the reason why I get back to this is because Flight school ended up being very challenging for me. I, I aced all my tests on paper. That was, but, but flying an aircraft was not natural to me. <laughs> I took every hour that they say, oh, hey, it should, it should take you 12 hours to hover, 19 hours to do this. I went up to that hour exactly, and I was barely proficient. I was just proficient um, all through flight school, and it was very challenging. And I remember many times thinking back to that guy, that captain who said, drop everything else and just study, just focus on this. And I knew in my heart, no, the Lord, I wanted aviation. The Lord blessed me with this. Mm-hmm. This is a gift and I want to be faithful to him. And I'm not trying to preach legalism here, but I was like, I'm going to continue going to chapel. I'm going to continue leading Bible study. I'm going to continue meeting with Perry. I'm going to continue doing this all with my wife because I believe that biblically, my relationship with the Lord is supposed to be the number one priority in my life. And so though I will spend 14 hours a day working for the army, my devotion first is to the Lord. And mm. that, that might only end up being an hour a day or 30 minutes a day or whatever it may be. It doesn't I, matter. It's where I, it's say, I admire that, Eric, because so many times over the years I have known, you know, men who they, they come in, they, they get started that way. But when it, comes to competing with work when it comes to competing with their career ambitions or you know their other priorities uh christianity following jesus you know that all falls to the wayside they don't really take it seriously it's like yeah i'll catch up with that later yeah Um, so hearing that you did take that seriously is really one of the reasons why i can tell when i met you you know it it became compelling to me that the story was not just some sort of a you know, let me tell you this little bit of my life. It's no, let me tell you how my life changed. <laughs> yeah. And I can see that when I met you, that, that, that was the, the real pivotal moment in your life. 
Yeah. And, um, and I'm not, I mean, you know, I have to be careful. I'm not, when I share this with people, I'm not trying to preach like a prosperity gospel either. I, no. The Lord was gracious. And I graduated with no problem. I ended up succeeding in flight school. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, reading your Bible every day and go to church is going to earn you success. However, what the Lord was teaching me was Eric, be faithful. Trust mm -hmm. me. Whether it's, whether it's success or failure as the world defines it, you will find success. You will have success in me. You will have devotion and, and purpose mm. and identity in me. And that's more important. And, um, and I'm very thankful for that because moving forward into more challenges over the next six years after that, I would deploy for 28 months. And so I will have had three children in the course of, of five years, and I will have missed half of their lives mm. in those first five years for each child. Oh, wow. And so just, just due to timing, yeah. I graduated flight school. I went to Korea for nine months unaccompanied, came back for eight, two years, went to Korea for nine months unaccompanied, came back for 12 months, went to Afghanistan for 10 months. That doesn't include all of the NTCs, the trainings where you're gone for, for, for weeks and months at a time stateside. And so what the Lord taught me in flight school, really, it, it, it was, Eric, prioritize this. Mm -hmm. And I, it'll be, I will be, I am sufficient. I am enough. And don't get me wrong, we, there were, were lots of tears and challenging times for me and my wife, and it, it, whether I was in Korea or Afghanistan. Um, However, those, those, those foundational lessons I learned my first couple of months and years as a believer were, was critical. Um, well, um, see, I'm brain farting on the, the, the reference. The, in the Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Um, yeah. uh, Matthew 6.33, thank you. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these mm -hmm. things will be given to you as well. So that was echoing in my heart for the first several years of my career was seek first his kingdom. So yeah, with, uh, with Matthew 6, 33, about seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And just as I moved from flight school to the next five, you know, really now eight years, but those first five of just so many deployments I was just so grateful for learning that lesson in flight school revolving around Matthew 6, 33, and how I just, mm -hmm. it could, God continued to echo to me and my wife, Eric, seek my, me first, seek my kingdom, seek my righteousness, and all these things you are worried about, all of these challenges and all these concerns will be worked out in accordance with my will, and you can trust in that. And, and, you know, and that's not a cop-out answer. And I think, I think some, maybe some Christians might use that as a, but I would, you know, that, that what that means is, Hey, I'll, you know, continue to walk the walk and talk the talk and live your life as, as commanded. And, and you're going to be content, Eric, with, with where I lead you and, and where, where you go. And so those were the really, you know, first set of challenges, struggling to pick up flying quickly, and then going into back-to-back -back deployments over five years, and, and, you know, leaving the kids, and leaving my wife, and just having that lesson learned revolving around Matthew 6.33 was, was, was key.
So along the way, I mean, that's, that's a pretty tough challenge to hear. You met it and, and you, you didn't give up on your faith. Was there, you know, anything further that came from that where your, you know, commander was, was more forceful about the idea of, uh, you know, dropping your, your personal convictions, or have you had other circumstances where you've been challenged that way as a military officer? Well, I will say that as a platoon leader, my, my first real assignment, Schofield Barracks, Hawaii, of 2013 through 2016. I, I worked for a company commander, my troop commander, who I, who I, to this day, I still, I still love and adore, but just not, not a believer. In fact, I, I, over the 18 months I worked for him, I really only saw him consume whiskey in Copenhagen. Um, <laughs> but he was, a, he was a, an incredible little tactician and an incredible pilot. And so I did admire that. Mm-hmm. However, he, he identified very quickly, Eric, you don't curse and you don't seem to drink that much. Like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you, man? You know? <laughs> and you know when i when you're not I, pursuing the stuff the stimulants yeah. and the status yeah the stuff so. status and stimulants and, I, <laughs> and you know and and, and i had that, that conversation with a couple of instructor pilots in flight school too they'd be like hey how come you don't curse you know and i and and that's a great it's a great witnessing opportunity right there to say hey well you know over the last couple of years my life has taken a, a 180 degree turn and i i have found christ my lord and savior and i've been reading the bible and i'm seeing how he lived and I'm just trying to live like that. And I fail just as much as I succeed. I fail more than I succeed. Um, but, sir, I have, I have no conviction against drinking. I'll have a beer. I'll, have, uh, I'll, I'll sip a drink with you. But I, I do have a personal conviction about over drinking and getting drunk. Um, for, as, as far as speech goes, I just realized early on in my military career in college, as I was coming to know the Lord, it was a distraction. When, when I hear all these NCOs and officers cursing every other word, I, I, I didn't like it. Even, even in my flesh, I, I didn't respond. I, I just, I, I don't respond well. And so I just began to train it out of my vocabulary with the help of the Holy Spirit. It, it has been. And so, you know, at first I was, you know, mocked in a playful way. Like I said, he, he was, he was a fun guy to work for. And he, he did ultimately admire me because over time, and this is what I want to tell all Christians out there who are living in their wor- the world as a Christian and, and trying to live it out and, and, and be a light in the workplace. When you first come in, when people first get to know you, that they might think you're, you're weird, or maybe you're weak, or maybe you're, you're irrelevant, whatever it may be. Yeah. Just give it some time because in a, in, it could be a matter of weeks, maybe months. But, but before, not as long as you think, people will discover that your faith is genuine and that you are an encouragement and that you are real and that you have an understanding and a belief that is very interesting to, to, the, out, to the outside, whether they say it or not. And so I just want to say, just it's a lo- have the long view, just wait it out, because before you know it, those, those people will, will realize that your faith is genuine and it is real. And they will begin gravitating to it. And even most importantly, they'll begin respecting it. Well, yeah. the real strength really comes from being willing to be different and not being, you know, weirded out by the fact that people notice it. Yeah. And, and I mean, don't get me wrong. You, you have to respond. I always say respond with a, as a, for a, for a, a believer who is 
walking in their faith, reading their Bible, respond with obedience to the convictions of your heart. And so I, I identified early on as a lieutenant, like, hey, there's a there's 17 other lieutenants here that aren't Christians. Mm. And I'm I'm a I'm a type A. I'm a I'm a I like to I, I like to sing and dance and have a good time. And they do they do too. They they just like to have a real good time, if you know what I mean. Mm. And and they they'd always you know, hey, come on out with us. And so you know what? Uh, eventually, uh, we didn't take too long. Eventually, my wife and I, hey, we're you know we're gonna yeah we're gonna go out to 25 cent wing night or whatever it was, 15 cent wing night. Mm. And I went out there with 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 this group of lieutenants, peers who were you know, living for the world. And when I sat down at the table and ordered wings and a beer, they were like, what? Bowerman's going to have a beer? But as soon as I did that, because I don't, I don't mind having a beer. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't have that conviction to, to not drink at all. And so, and if you do, that's fine. I, I think you should be obedient to it. But when I, the second I ordered a beer, all of a sudden their barriers went down hmm. and I could just talk life with them. I could talk my story with them. And they're like, oh, wow, wow. Because they had this vision that I was perfect or that, 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 or, or, or that I thought I was perfect or that I would look down on them or whatever it may be. There could be 10 or 12 different reasons, things they have going on in their mind about you as a Christian. But the second I sat there and ate chicken wings with, with them and their girlfriends, my wife was there sharing a beer with them. It was like, oh my goodness, all of a sudden they were immensely interested in my life and talking and opening up and sharing their life. And so I will say, you know, in that we, we you talked about in the beginning, roughneck and gritty, you know, it, all of a sudden I had connected now with a group of 17 lieutenants mm. who for the next three years I'd be working with and just be able to continuously just be a, hopefully a Christ, a godly example to. And we became much closer because of that one little bonding over a simple dinner with a beer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, well, and it's interesting because I think a lot of people would have the idea, you know, hey, uh, Eric, how can you be a Christian and a soldier, right? Yeah. I think, you know, the, the challenge a lot of people, especially our listeners, have is to try and understand that, that what may seem to them to be a dichotomy, being a soldier and a Christian. How does that, how does that you know, melt together for you? Yeah. Well, you know, I think being a, being a soldier is very, you know, maybe stereotypical, but true. It, it's about serving something bigger than yourself, serving your country. There you go. And, and, and serving its citizens. And what, what are we as Christians? You are serving in the kingdom of God. It's amazing that God, the God of the universe, has not only allowed, but commanded us as imperfect man apart from him to and and then once we become believers he, he's a, he's commanded us and allowed us to play a key role in the advancement of his kingdom mm -hmm. god does not he, he did not need us we we are not pivotal to him reaching the world however and he embodied jesus shows us through discipleship plan a to reach the world from the beginning of time, from the beginning of creation was Christ. And then when Christ showed up on the scene in the gospels, the number one method that Jesus was gonna reach the world was through discipling men who would then go forth and disciple. A bunch the of great commission. roughneck characters that yes. didn't have any Fishermen, formal rugged. education. <laughs> uh, yes, incredible. And so where was I going with that? Discipleship. And so 
it's amazing. Lets, you were saying he lets us partner with him. And, and yes. that's actually, that's a fundamental tenet of mission 1711 is that we're, we're showing people that really the kingdom of God is all about learning to be partners with Jesus. That's what he's calling us to do. He's not calling us to be perfect. He's calling us to be partners who learn to progress in our walk with him. Yeah. And, you know, the, the perfection comes as we let his spirit transform us as we let our relationship with him become everything that we are. And I mean, that's really what you're describing is that you caught that early on, which, you know, quite frankly, Eric is it's unusual. I don't meet many guys and I've known a lot of Christian guys from various different walks, but I do not meet many guys who, you know, pick up quickly and say, Hey, I actually want to learn to walk this as a complete life transition, you know, let alone guys that are able to then go into the military and continue to walk the walk, uh, and 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 not have it compromised by their career choices, right? And, yeah. and it's not just the military. And I don't mean to belittle the military at all. I have great respect for you guys that that have served and, and that do serve. But I think that you know the the challenges that you face, uh, you know, being in the environment that you're in, uh, tends to lead toward, um, you know, again the stuff status and stimulants environment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, the, uh, which I love that I, I'm going to grab that and run with that forever. Do it. Eric. Do it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I already wrote that down first. But yeah, I mean, the the, the, the reference was first John two, 15 and 16. That's what I, yeah, I, I got that. I got it. So the only one I didn't get was Matthew six thirty three, but I caught up. Nice. Um, yeah. And so anyway, getting back to it, God's a, so serving, and being a soldier and a Christian, it's actually incredibly natural. It's just not currently the norm and, and neither right. is it anywhere in the world, but and it's correct so me if I'm natural. Wrong, Nick, we, we were saying earlier, but did you, uh, you didn't, when you were in the, in the army, you didn't have many Christian friends, I'm guessing, right? You've, I don't remember you ever talking about that. Um, I had, I knew quite a lot of Christian folks, uh, people I got along with good, um, that were Christian people. It just wasn't a thing to me at that point in my life. I was pretty thoroughly lost. Yeah, as most of us, as most of us walk through. <laughs> and um, something, something else you talked about too is um, I appreciate your perspective of you know how difficult uh, it can be uh, you know dealing with stuff and status and stimulants in the military. But I'll tell you from a lot of experience in the corporate world too that it's just yeah. as true there. Absolutely. That is that is exactly the point I was going to make is that uh, a lot of people have that notion that that's the that's the military status world. But the truth of it is we all face that you can be a construction worker and have the same challenges. You can be a businessman and have the same challenges. It It's, uh, you know, it's really no different. It's really about what you bring to the table. What what is your life about? What is your pursuit? Are you seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Are you seeking his, his, you know, glory or are you seeking self? Yeah. And uh, I love that you brought that out, Eric. And, you know, again, I apologize for, for jumping in and interrupting there, but um, I wanted to sort of capture that. Um, are there other, any other areas that you wanted to, you know, share as part of your, your testimony and, and what you're doing that we haven't covered yet? I, I would just, I'll, I'll recircle back. Um, on two things, I'll, I'll, hear, I'll share a strength and, and a weakness. For, for in regards to strength or an encouragement, I just want to say we, we, we mentioned, we talked about a guy, a guy named Drew. We talked about a guy named Perry. Some guys I didn't talk about were the guy who mentored me and discipled me in Hawaii, a man named Ron. 
And then a guy who mentored me in New York, uh, a man named Bill. And then now men who are mentoring me here in New England, um, Tom and Ian and Ed, and especially Travis. And <clears throat> what I just want to tell people and, and just let people know is, is Drew was the only one of those guys who really came to me and said, can I do this? Um, he, he taught me then to go, hey, Eric, sometimes you're going to have to go find this. It, yeah. it may not just come yeah. before you. Um, so it gets to Matthew 7 about ask, seek, knock. And Jesus is teaching about prayer. Um, and I, I really think prayer is so much more than just a, a conversation with God. I, I actually think ask, seek, knock is a beautiful picture of prayer and, 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 and how action is associated with that too. So, Amen, brother. Amen. So, you know, you begin in prayer by asking. I'm going to ask the Lord uh, of something in prayer. But then it can't just stop there. Seek. Okay, so how do you seek as a young Christian looking for community, looking for growth, combating the world? You, you seek by doing the things that the Bible tells you to do that, that some people might say, oh, it's legalistic. But no, it's, it's, it's not. It's biblical. Go get plugged into a church. Get plugged into a small group. Um, find other believers and spend time with them. Pray and find an, an older man, or if you're a woman, an older woman who is in that next phase of life as a believer and just say, hey, can I just meet with you? Can you just teach me what you're learning? Can you just talk to me about what's going on in your life? And, and maybe they're trained in discipleship or maybe they're not, but that's the seek aspect of it. It's not necessarily just going to come into your lap. And then, when I, and then the knock aspect of it is, expect a response so a lot of times as christians that are even that are growing will we'll ask seek doubt oh i'm gonna ask because i know i'm supposed to i'm gonna seek because i know i'm supposed to but then god you're, you're not gonna this this can't happen there's no way it could happen i'm in rural new england how am i gonna find someone to disciple me well guess what it, i did yeah the lord brought us together and not only did he bring us together the church we went to the first sunday we were here he was the first person that came up and introduced himself to me a man named travis yeah. that's the god of the universe doing easy things that 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 blows our mind we we, we can't even we try to like, what are the chances of that to, for god that is just like eric it was so easy i Y'all were in the same place at the same time. Duh, it's going to happen. But we, we, we like to overcomplicate. I can't imagine it. That was so easy for God, but it was a result of prayer and obedience. And so I'm not trying to say that I'm, I'm perfect and I'm doing, I've done this phenomenally, but I will just say for those out there looking for growth and looking for maturity in the word, and, you know, ask for it, seek for it and then expect a response. And it may not be the response you're expecting. An open door, a closed door is still a response. Hey, yeah, <laughs> but expect a response. Expect God to show up and point you in a direction um, and reveal truth to you. Well, that's awesome. I, I love the way you, uh, you brought that forward because I, that's actually one of my favorite areas of, of scripture is in prayers, learning that ask, seek, and knock. And I love that you, you pull it, you pull it together with the expectancy that you're knocking, expecting to get an answer. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I've heard people say, look, I prayed and nothing happened. And, you know, the question I always ask is, but did you really seek? Were you actually willing to hear? Were you willing to pursue the, the thing that you believe God was, was going to do? 
you know, and, and what he's promised to do, because it's really about God's promises. And, you know, what I find, and, I, and I'm sure you have, as, as you've been describing, is, is that as you press into God's promises, he really does amazing things. And it's so easy for it. Like you said, it's not hard for God to do these things. But if you, if you press in and trust his promises, and you're just faithful just to seek it out, do it with expectancy, uh, you know, amazing things happen. And the cool part for me, I don't know about you, but, you know, I didn't grow up uh, in and around, you know, a, a really, uh, you know, Bible-believing Christian family or anything, right? I, I grew up uh, in, in a world where that was really shunned and looked down on. And um, for me, the idea of actually expecting God to answer prayer or tying into some kind of a, a community where people are faithful and affirming and, and helping you walk with God, that was something completely astonishingly outside of my expectation. So as I see, you know, things like this that have come together for you in your life, I'm, I'm amazed all over again, right? Just seeing and hearing your story because, um, it, you know, in the world where I came from, it was a very different kind of experience. Uh, there was a lot of desert times where there weren't so many, you know, people to, to come around uh, and, and to, you know, guide me in my faith. So I love hearing that your experience includes that and that you, you've learned to seek it out, that you've learned to make that a priority, because that's what I think ultimately is, is what's going to enable us to walk through the difficulties of the world that we're in today, is making Christ a priority. Above all things, seeking his kingdom, seeking his power, seeking his glory, and, and forsaking all of the stuff, the status, and the stimulants. <laughs> So it's um, a great, great thing you pulled out here today, Eric. Something yeah. that came up three times very strongly in Eric's talk is, is uh, constancy of prayer. I talk about Ian probably too much about this, but, uh, you know, constancy in prayer. It, uh, you know, from formalized prayer closet time to walking down the street, uh, uh, praying for whatever's on your heart. Uh, but the constancy of prayer is that seeking and finding the relationship with Christ that he wants scripturally uh, with us. God wants us to be close with us. And so um, hearing your story three times emphasize the power of how prayer moved you during those various facets is uh, yeah. uh, very excellent. Yeah. Yes. Excellent and then, stuff. yeah, and I, I will also, I'll, I, it's important to get vulnerable. And so I will just also share, a, a, you know, a weakness and, and just a, I, the last thing I want is for people to listen to this, to think that, that Eric's this, this perfect example of Christ and, it really, it really comes from James chapter one. I'm going to read a few verses here, but this is verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I'll just do some commentary, like opposite of our world today. Um, that, that, but we should be slow to speak. I mean, not quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. And then here's a key, verse 22, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, it's like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And so I just want to be, I mean, I am a type A personality extremely outspoken think before i mean speak before i think almost 90 percent of the time 
OCD warrior. Yeah. I am a aviator that flies, has flown multiple things that I call death machines, machines that are trying to kill me all the time that I have to wrestle and wrangle into submission. And we've been trained as aviators to make decisions very quickly because we don't have a lot of time on our hands most of the time, whether it be an emergency procedure or supporting the ground force commander with, 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 with whatever it may be, munitions or whatever it may be. And so <clears throat> I, that has trained me to be quick and decisive. And the downside to that, the weakness I'm going to share is how often I overlook other people, how often I, I um, over talk, talk over other people, how easily I show on my face. That's a terrible idea. Why would you want to do that? Um, and how quickly I am to do what this, the scripture just said not to do is, is know the word and then like look at it and say, yeah, I'm a Christian and then walk into the office and act like a not Christian in the way you speak or body language or, or just generally, you know, communicate. And so I just want to share that with with the group to just become vulnerable. That is something that I have to combat that I'm thankful for my wife that helps kind of call me on it when I do that, when I- when A good I wife will keep you accountable. Yes. It's always a good thing. <laughs> yes, and how I'm, I'm very quick to not really give any credit to any other suggestions. I'm my, for strengths finder, my number one is I'm an activator. I like to just ignite the fire and get stuff going. But in doing that, I oftentimes can, can overlook people and not encourage strengths of people or consider other points of view. And so just to share that, hey, when you do that as a Christian, go and apologize. Go to that person that you did that to and say, hey, that was, my, that was wrong of me. That is mm -hmm. contrary to how I want to be and how, how I believe yeah. I'm called to live. And, and just do that. I've, I've had to do that with 06 colonels in the army who could have blasted me for my arrogance, but by the grace of God, didn't. But I still went and said, sir, I, that was completely disrespectful of me um, to just the, my tone or my reaction to your order. I, I just want to say unacceptable, and, and I'm going to do everything I can not to let that happen again. Um, or with, and, and, you know, it may actually be easier to somebody who's superior to you, but what about when? Yes, yeah, so that's what I was going to go to next. I've yeah. had so soldiers in, the, I, I was a troop, troop commander company. I was in the cavalry, called it troop, but a company commander for 125 soldiers for 25 months, two deployments, one to Korea, one to Afghanistan mm. in that 25 months. And countless times I made a bad decision. Um, hey, nope, you're coming in right now. I don't, I don't want to hear anything about it. Or, um, no, you, I don't believe you. You were in the wrong, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to prove it just to realize, nope, I was in the wrong. And, yes, there were kept many times with NCOs and soldiers where I said, look at me. I did not do my due diligence. I did not take my time in making that decision, and I owe you an apology, and I'm going to do this, everything in my power to try to fix it. Um, so I once again don't want to make myself myself sound perfect. I'm sure I've missed plenty of apology opportunities but that needed to have apologies. But I'm just saying, don't be afraid to go right that wrong and just own it because that, that shows immense maturity to believers and non-believers. Well, and it backs up exactly when you were talking about James. You know, it's, uh, you know, read it, do it. And uh, it, we all fail, but uh, it certainly helps me a lot in my efforts in my community 
to be able to stop and ask the Lord and and uh, and correct my behavior so that I, th- I can try to be more Christ-like. It's a very good testimony. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we appreciate everything you've shared with us. Um, learning Christian humility is is certainly something that is difficult for men in particular, but I think for everybody in general, it's it's true. Um, and I love that you wrapped it up with that. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a great reminder. Is you know really the walk of of being a follower of Jesus is about having the humility to think more highly of others than yourself. And uh, again, that's a tough thing to do when the world all around you is seeking stuff, stimulus and status. I don't know what it was, but I mem- we memorized that verse. It's part of the topical memory system for the navigators. And I remember just boiling it down to, oh, it's basically stuff, status and stimulants. I appreciate your time very much, sir. I always like to meet another brother. It's a huge blessing. Thank you for talking with us. But thank you for the opportunity to, to share my story. <laughs>